You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. So we're ending our Not Forsaken series. I hate it, but it's just the way time works and life works. Um, I'm going to be preaching in D.C. Uh, next Sunday, actually uh, preaching in the five o'clock gathering right now, which is pretty awesome as well. I uh, love you guys. And it's just a matter of the economy of life that the series has to end today. But I just want to invite you that if God is stirring your heart and turning things upside down in your life, that's why we wrote the book, Not Forsaken. It's about 25 or 30 messages worth in the book. And so we're just scratching the surface really in these four weeks, and that's been powerful. But I want to encourage you, get the book, dive in, go at your own pace, read for the next few weeks or the next few months or the next few years as God transforms you into a brand new place in life where you see that you're a loved son, a loved daughter of a perfect father. And you have the potential, this is what we're saying today, to grow up and look like your heavenly father. You have and I have in Christ the potential to grow up and be like our heavenly father. In the same way, we're going to grow up and be like our dad and our mom. But for me, thinking about it, grow up and be like my dad. I've talked a lot about my dad in the last few weeks, and thank you for letting me do that. I wish I had pictures of all your dads to put up with you and your dad doing various things. And maybe some of you are like, Louis, there aren't any pictures of me and my dad, so that wouldn't work for my particular story. But thank you for letting me share a little bit of mine. And I want you to see my dad at a later age in life. So there we are um, at the wedding, and um, that's me on the left and my dad on the right. That's when I was still rocking the fro. People were like, did you perm that? Nope, that's the thing. That's the way it came. And so there was a time where it kind of looked like, oh, that's me on the right. And that's my father over there on the left. But when I put the picture up today, it's kind of like me and my dad are on the left. <laughs> if I just had the glasses on, it's happened. You say, what has happened? The power of genetics is happening right before your eyes. You can deny it, swear against it, try to cancel it out by an oath. But you are under the power right now of the genetic makeup of your mom and dad that is you. And we all get that. So as we grow older, can I get an, a nod from some of the older people? Okay, thank you. I got a wave from one older person. You're the only older person here. Oh, now you're making him wave. Uh, <clears throat> Older people don't like to acknowledge and, and, and admit anything, but as you get older, you understand that the natural and normal outcome is that you grow up to look like your parents. In my case, to grow up to look like my dad. And this is not an abnormal outcome, 
It is a normal outcome and no one really even argues the fact. And then you add to that the fact that we model after our parents. So we watch them from birth, we study them, and then we imitate them so that by genetics and by modeling, we end up in large part being like our parents. This is a baseline understanding to get the idea of the potential today that you can grow up to be like your heavenly father. I think I've showed this photo before, but uh, I'm about two years old. It snows in Atlanta. My dad goes out to build a snowman like every other dad in Atlanta. But when I go out, that's what's in our front yard. I don't know whether I'm happy or scared out of my mind. I'm clinging to my little lamb in desperation because my dad's idea of going out and building a snowman is not three balls of snow and some rocks. It's that guy. So therefore, when it comes time to build a snowman, I don't roll up the three balls of snow and put the rocks on it. Why? Because I've been watching that guy since I was that age. So by genetics and by modeling, you and I are under a powerful force today, and that force is going to guide us naturally and normally to certain outcomes in our life. And in the same way God is wanting to break in with a newsflash today that we are now born again as the sons and daughters of a perfect heavenly father. So we've recapped, we all have a desire for that blessing. We've looked at the problem, which is the gap when that blessing isn't there and how Christ meets that gap, not by being a bigger version of our earthly dad, but the perfect version of our earthly dad. And then we looked last week at this defiant message about reversing the curse, about saying, you know what? We're not going to settle in to the patterns that were passed down to us in our family tree. We've got a brand new tree in our story, and we are revolutionary agents on planet Earth to change stories, to reverse curses, and to set a new pathway for our lives and the generations to come. And now today we say, given all of that, here's the beauty. You and I naturally and normally should grow up and look like our heavenly father. This is the outcome that God has in mind for you. Ephesians 5, 1 says it is clearly as we can say it, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. God is speaking now. He's setting the course and the expectation. I want you to be an imitator of God. I don't want you to be a little nicer than your neighbor, a little more religious than your family member, a little more of a church member than, than the guy you work with. This is not the goal. The goal for you, be an imitator of God. So is this a cruel ploy or a supernatural possibility? Is this God's way of having a good time, of saying, I'm going to set the bar so high no one will ever measure up to it, and I'm just going to sit up here on the throne of heaven and laugh at everybody for the rest of their lives trying to imitate God? 
Or is it in his mind a supernatural possibility that when he's asking and inviting you to be an imitator of God, he knows that you can. How would I do that? Well, it's right here in the text. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. So the equation is simple. I'm born again, and now I have a new possibility. I'm born again. I was born to Louis and Martha Jean, and that's absolutely working a powerful thing, but I was also born again to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and guess what? That's working a powerful thing in me also so that I can hear this word of God, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. A few things have to happen if you and I are going to shift into this way of thinking. Number one, there has to be an awakening in our lives. And I am praying for an awakening today. I am praying even now as we are delivering this word of God, I am praying in the spirit right now for an awakening in this gathering. You say awakening to what? To who and whose you are. Before you can do anything for God, you have to know who you are in God. Before it's all about our choices in life, you have to understand God's creation in your life. You are a miracle of God. You're a living, walking miracle. On the human side, the genetic side, three billion characters in your DNA code. Your genetic code is a unique combination of three billion characters woven into every cell in your body. And no one has the three billion character code that you have. You're a miracle of God. Now, just to bring science in, because we brought genetics in, now all the scientists are perked up like, okay, let's talk science. So here's some interesting science for you. Of the three billion characters that make up your data genetically, you share 92% of that data with a mouse. Yeah, no, you do. Same, same DNA material. 92% of yours, you share it. With a mouse. So if you're struggling one day, that's why. You're living over in the 92%. You're over there on the wheel, huffing and puffing, rooting around in the straw for, for something. You're, you're over in the 92%. But hello, over in the 8%, and even if it's in the 8% of a percent, you are a miracle of God. This is the way the scripture says it. It says in Genesis 1:27, so God created man, not the mouse. It does not say this about the mouse. The mouse, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, they just came into the story. But when you came into the story, the narrative changed in the story. That 8% different changed in the story. The eighth of a percent difference changed in the story. So yes, we are a product of creation and a lot of us are sharing DNA information, but that does not make you equal to everything else in creation. You are a miracle of God. And yes, a mouse is a miracle, but not the kind of miracle you are of God because it says about you, God created man in his 
own image. Male and female, he created them. Chapter two, verse seven, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You are a miracle sitting in a chair right now. You're not just happenstance. You are not just the product of a cosmic explosion. You are created in the very image of the almighty God. And a lot of you, the whole thing about fathers and perfect father and being sons and daughters, that's like a whole nother level of understanding for you. You need to wake up today, have an awakening today, just to the fact that you are precious sitting in the chair because you are created in the image of God with the breath of God bringing you to life. And the enemy... The enemy is constantly eroding this. Constantly chipping away at the miracle that is you. You're just ordinary. You're just a nobody. You're just accidental or incidental floating through this world. You are anything but accidental and anything but incidental. You're a miracle. And if you're born again, you're a miracle all over again. This was our whole message last week, but look the way it's summarized in 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 16. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now, this would be revolutionary in and of itself because we all regard everyone from a worldly point of view. Where does she work? What does she look like? Uh, how much money does she have? Who are her friends? What is she good at? We, we regard everybody from a worldly point of view. We are stuck over here in the three billion character information bank about each other, and we're missing that something else happened when we put our faith in Jesus, and we were born again, born of the Spirit of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and me. And so he says... We get it, and from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Look at verse 17. Here's why. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, and the he there is all of us, so don't get too left out if you're a she, we, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new Creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So that's a big if that we're going to talk about today. It doesn't say if anybody's in church, he's a new creation. It doesn't say if anybody's a, a Baptist, he's a new creation, or a Catholic, he's a new creation. It doesn't say if anybody has a Bible, he's a new creation. If anybody is in a Bible study, he's a new creation. If anybody believes in God, he's a new creation. It says if, big if, anyone is in Christ, by faith, born again, now positionally linked to the life of Jesus Christ, Christ is in them, and they are in Christ. And if anyone is in Christ, 
new reality. Yes, three billion characters, you gotta deal with it. But some new characters are going on in Christ, new creation. The old, not running the show anymore completely. Something new has come. And this message of hope of growing up to be like our heavenly father, this is only possible if you're in Christ. Do not try this at home. Do not try this on your own strength. Do not try this with religious effort. Do not try this by mustering up the energy to transform yourself into a completely different person. This is all the process that comes by being linked up to the life of Christ. And the enemy, he's, he's like, okay, so you put your faith in Jesus? Okay, great. All right, awesome. That was amazing. Got a light bulb in the Jesus' life wall. Wow. So cool. Did you go to Access? Did you pray with someone? And you're going to heaven. Wow. That's, that, is, that is so great. Now, let's talk for a minute. Let's don't get any crazy ideas like you're going to actually change into a different person because that's not going to happen. And you know it. You pretty much hit your ceiling of where you're going in terms of character modification and behavioral change. And you've got, you know, dad to deal with. So let's just like tamper down the expectations and just deal, okay? Because you're going to heaven. Congratulations. But might be hell on earth until you get there. Just deal. Accept that. And so many believers are like, yeah, that's probably the way it's going to be. And God is saying, I need you to wake up. Oh, I don't need you to try harder. I don't need you to attend more. I need you to wake up. I don't need you to get a bigger Bible or to listen to another message on a podcast. I need you to wake up to the reality of who you are and whose you are, you are born of spirit and of water. You got three billion characters operating and that's real, but you've got God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit operating. And that is real. My friend, that is real life. Therefore your ceiling is to be an imitator of God. And anything less than that is not living out the promise of being a loved son or a loved daughter. Do not run too fast with a, wow, thank you, Lord, for restoring me and letting me know I am prized and I am loved and I am searched for and paid for and bought for and I do have a perfect father who's taken me up. Thank you. I'm going to run with that because I needed that. Don't run too fast without going, oh, my word, if that's true, I'm a brand new person. I'm a, I got a brand new start and a whole new possibility. I am in Christ and I am a new creation and the old has gone and the new has come. This is who I am. Look at the way Peter says it, Second Peter chapter one, about the possibility of your life, not some famous missionary that went across the oceans or some Bible character who did great things. This is your story. Verse three, his divine power, 2 Peter 1, has given us everything we need. Can we say that together? Everything we need. Let's just try it all together. 
everything we need. No one here is in lack. None of us are going to be able to say at the end, I would have been more like Jesus, except for the fact that blah, blah, blah. No, he has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you see how God sees you today? He sees you as able. He sees you as equipped. He sees you as fortified in Christ with every resource you need to become everything you were created to be. So when you hear a voice that says, you've maxed out, you've capped out, you're probably not gonna change much from here. This isn't really ever gonna be different. You're listening to the wrong voice because the Father is saying, I've given you everything you need for life and everything you need for godliness. You've already got it. And here's how. Verse four, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. That is all of the hope that we have in Christ. Not just, oh, here's a promise in the Bible and here's another one and here's another one. No, the promise of you're born again, therefore you can grow up and be who you are. That size of a promise through these great and precious promises so that through them, Hello, you may be participators in the divine nature so that you may partake and participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. In other words, he's saying, hey, there's a way out of the trap of the human gene pool and the sin that it brought, the sin nature that it brought, All of that is real. The patterns, the thoughts, the habits, the flesh, and the sin in the flesh. All of it is real. But there's a new promise, a new set of promises, and they lead you to participate and become partakers of the divine nature so that you can escape that and live in this. To say it a different way, it's like you have God's DNA in you. Yes, we, we should be amazed by that today. You have God's genes, if you will. I don't want to, to, to bend the text too far, but to become a partaker or a participant in the divine nature. See, this is different in God being divine and me being stuck over here in sinful flesh and God saying, imitate me and going stuck over here in sinful flesh. I'm trying to do my best to act like God who has no sin. He's saying this is the new reality and it's a revolutionary message. You now are not the old, you're the new. And in the new, you got what you got from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So spiritually, you got a new set of genes. You've got God's DNA woven into you by the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ so that you now can become a participant in the divine. You're not divine and you're not gonna be the divine, but you can participate in uh, as a saint and a child of a holy God, you can participate in the life that he lives and you can grow up and imitate your heavenly father. I'm telling you, this message is not one that you just write in your journal 
and go, oh, that was great. That was May the, the 19th. And yeah, that was, that was awesome. This is the message. This is a revolutionary, life-transforming way of thinking. Because it will jettison us out of the old and out of the thinking that we're capped by the old. We're dictated by the old. It's all determined by the old. You can't fight against the old. Sinner's going to sin. That's what you do. And that's all I am. It's all I've ever been. It's all I'm ever going to be. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No bigger lie ever infiltrated the church than that lie, that I am just a sinner saved by grace. You're like, oh no, Louis, don't start going in crazy talk now because we need to be humble and remember who we are. We're just one beggar trying to help another beggar find a piece of bread. This is not a crumb, friends. This is the word of God, the full word of God, the whole word of God. This is all the bread of God. Who is Jesus? The bread of life. Come down out of heaven. I'm not looking for a crumb. I'm at a table. And I'm not a beggar. I'm a son. I am not a beggar. I'm a son. And I'm not just a sinner, although trust me, I got all kinds of capability to sin, and I do. But that is not who I am. I am a son of God, born again with God's spirit living in me with the full possibility and potential that I can imitate my father. And when I say, well, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace, you know what the next thing you're going to do is? Sin. And you know what you're going to do when you do sin? You're going to say, well, I tell you what I did. And I know why I did. Because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And that's what a lot of us were raised on. And it's a step-down version a dialed-down dilution of the revolutionary power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that says you are a new creation. You're not just anything. You are new creation in Christ. And that kind of thinking blows open the possibilities that lead us into the future of who God wants us to be. The second thing that's got to happen is that you have to accept that with the blessing of being a loved son or a loved daughter is the responsibility of growing up. See, they go together. It'd be awesome, um, not really, but I mean, for a lot of people in church, it would be awesome if we could just like divide this up like a pie. Oh, you just want to be a loved son? Great, there you go. Enjoy that, would you? Oh, you just like being a restored daughter? Fantastic. Here, let me serve you that. Just amazing. Great. We, we want the buffet of the faith so we can spoon up onto our plates what we want. And God is saying it doesn't work that way. This is a package deal. It's like you saying to your parent, um, I thank you that you love me and you've told me that since birth and you said I'm smart and beautiful and kind and that I can do anything and I can be anything. Thank you for that. I love that so much. And now you're 18 years old and you say, hey, mom, do you mind getting me some more Gerber out of the uh, pantry? <laughs> I like the, the mushed up carrots. 
Your parent would be like, A, get up and go in the kitchen yourself. B, get a job. C, grow some teeth. No, no, mom, I love that you love me. I am a loved princess. You told me that all my life. Princess, could you get princess something to eat? I'm going to tell you about princess, all right. You're going to get up and get your own chariot and your own carriage, and you're going to go down and get a job. See, in, in real life, things break down like that, and we're like, oh, this isn't good. But in the church, I like, the, I like being a princess, Louie. God says, you are my princess now. Get a job. <laughs> Grow up. Learn how to wash and fold your own clothes. Wash and fold somebody else's clothes. Get a vision. Take responsibility. Get stronger. Get fortified. Get in the word and start becoming what loved children become which is loved adults who were loved children who now can love children who can become loved adults. And this is what church is. And I'm just, you know, I'm just calling us all up to that today, me and you both. And I'm calling you up to something more than I show up a couple times a month because this thing really speaks to me. Thank you for this, by the way, Pastor. I mean, the worship, the songs, the atmosphere, the energy, the people, the touch team, it all speaks to me, and I got get like a literal jolt from it. Propels me. I mean, a couple times a month, this thing does something for me. Hello, we show up here every week. You know why? Because we are building up the house of the living God and opening the word of the living God and trying to grow into the word of the living God and trying to help other people get into the house of God. This is a revolutionary message, people. This is not some buffet line, noon time, 199, take what you want event. And you can't separate, and you don't want to, being a loved daughter and taking on the responsibility of growing up, of being a loved son with a blessing from heaven and taking on the responsibility of saying, I want to make my father proud. I do not want my heavenly father's reputation on earth to be, that's my son. He's 12 years old in the faith and he still cannot dress himself. He needs a jolt to get him down the week because he doesn't know how to open this word and tap in to the power of the truth of who I am. You know that imitators of God? I love it. That sounds so cool and amazing and Shelly and I have been teaching that passage since day one. I think that was like our first text we ever taught at college Bible study before there was ever a passion 30-something years ago apartment clubhouse, Baylor University, 40 college students, our grand beginning. We didn't even have any instrumentalists in our worship team. We just sang acapella with words that we had 
photocopied at the Kinko's of the three worship songs that we sing. I love you, Lord. Lord, you are more precious than silver and as the deer pants for the water. That's where we started. Hello? And in that apartment clubhouse, we dialed up Ephesians 5. Because we were in a high religious culture. And we said, here's the truth. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about being loved children of a heavenly father and imitating him. It doesn't that feel good to start, by the way? Anybody? That feels great, right? But then he says, it, it, now it translates. And here's how it translates. Are you ready? Very next phrase. And live a life of love, verse 2. Your translation may say, and walk in love. I like to walk in love. Live a life of love, great. But I like that it. it's like, I am, I am, I am, now I walk. I am, now I walk. I, I am, and now I'm gonna walk. So I'm not just gonna say I am and then sit. I'm gonna say I am and then I'm gonna walk. I'm, I am seated, but now I'm gonna walk it out. I'm gonna live a life of love. And I'll save you <clears throat> the whole chapter, but verse three says, I'm gonna walk in holiness. I'm gonna walk in purity. So I'm not gonna to say to the world, I have a great heavenly father, and then I'm just gonna go and live a life of impurity. I'm gonna walk in purity. The next paragraph says, I'm gonna walk in light. Verse eight, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, so live as children of light. Another translation says, so walk in light. Next paragraph down, after it says, wake up, O sleeper, <clears throat> says in verse 15 that we're going to walk wise. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is and walk in wisdom. The next verse down is going to say, I'm going to walk in the spirit. I'm not going to get drunk with wine and let that make me walk. I'm going to get filled with the spirit and I'm going to let the spirit lead my steps. So immediately it's like, here's who I am. Verse one. Now here's the way I want to walk it out in my life. And I just want to encourage you today that this is the calling that is on your life. It is not simply to say, I know who I am. I am chosen, not forsaken, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know that I know who I am. And God is saying, great, if you know who you are, walk it. Walk it. Walk in who you are. So this third idea, we, we awaken, we accept that there is a whole story going here. And thirdly, we adopt. We adopt a lifestyle of modeling after our heavenly father. The same way we did our earthly parents, we're going to model after our heavenly father. So we're going to get in the word. We are going to watch what our father does. We're going to renew our minds to the fact that we can do what our father does because we're his children. And then we're going to attempt to do what we see our father do. And then we're going to repeat that because we're probably not going to get it all in the first try because you don't grow up into the likeness of your father overnight. You do that over time, but you got to have a picture of where you're going. I was on my inaugural spring bike ride this weekend. So for me, that means getting my very slick bike out and getting kitted up in my black um, bike outfit 
which is very nice and kind to me because it holds in all the parts of me that need to be held in, sort of. My helmet, my Oakleys, my gloves, my Swiss shoes, my um, Swiss meaning cool, not Swiss shoes from Switzerland, my my cool shoes, um, my computer, and here I come. And I'm not trying to like, you know, be a superhero and do a, a hundred miler. I'm just out trying to break a sweat and get the saddle sores out, if you know what I mean, if you're a biker. So I'm just trying to get the first ride in. And uh, not too many bikers in our church because only one guy laughed at that. Um, but he knows what I'm talking about. It's hard for me to stand actually right now. And so I'm out just trying to get a few miles in. I'm on a trail and <clears throat> coming around a bend and the trail narrows into a bridge and coming right out of the bridge is a dad and the dad's kind of leading the way and he looks at me like, okay, you understand my daughter's right here and I get it, I see her already and I'm already slowed down and way over on my side and they're way over on their side. The little girl, I'm guessing she's four and she maybe, I don't know, maybe younger, she's tiny and she's on a little bitty bicycle like you could get this bicycle in a cereal box. I mean, a tiny <laughs> bicycle with training wheels. And she was just like having the time of her life until I came rolling up. Um, And here comes this man, you know, in this helmet and these Oakleys and this get up and this bike. And I'm like this much higher than her because she's down here and I'm way up on my bike. And she looks up at me and I see dad like I got it. I'm way over here under control. Everything's good. I look down at her and I'm like, you're doing amazing. You know, that smile like, hey, way to go. And the coolest thing she had going were the pink streamers coming out of her handlebars. Like, if you ask her about her bike ride, she'll be like, I had pink streamers coming out of my handlebars. And in an instant, like a kid can do, she took a hundred photographs of me. Her eyes got about this big as I came by. She's like, And I could just see it happening. Her brain just firing like, man, that's a big bike. Man, that is a big bike. That bike was huge. The wheels on it seemed so big. And the guy had this like get up on and a helmet. I didn't even have a helmet on because my bike won't fall over because I got training wheels on it. I don't need a helmet. And dad's got my hand if, if anything happens. And so I'm good. But that guy had a helmet on and he had these glasses coming around. Looked like he was in a professional bike event and his shoes, he had those white shoes, never seen shoes like him, didn't have laces, don't know how he gets them on or how he gets them off. I'm just thinking, she's thinking, and he had a water bottle in there. It was really super cool and looked like he had some kind of bracelet on. He's like, yeah, it was. You noticed that. It was my road ID bracelet. Let's people know what happened to me, if something happens to me and um, who I am. And so she's taking all these pictures coming by and I doubt she went home and when her mom said, how did the bike ride go? She goes, mom, you're not going to believe this. I saw a, an older gentleman come by on a really big bike and a whole getup, and I, that's what I'm going to be when I grow up. But I guarantee you, she's thinking right now, wow, wow, wow. That's, that's where biking's going. <laughs> that, that's, where, that's where this thing's going. Because this is like topping out right now. Do you see the pink streamers. And I just think in a, in an instant she went, okay, okay. Probably can't do that tomorrow, but definitely not going to do this forever. 
Not sure I'll ever have the, the outfit, but pretty sure I won't always have the streamers. You're like, Louie, what's wrong with streamers? I actually have streamers on my bike that I was on the belt line this weekend on. And, and God is wanting you to open his word and to adopt this idea that when he comes zooming by, you go, oh, 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 that's where we're going. It may take some time, but that's where we're going. Ephesians 4, a few verses above the big uh, imitators of God moment. It says in a powerful way in verse, uh, just reading down from verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ in this way. Surely you've heard of him, were taught of him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, your, your old dominated three billion character self, to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is something that we used to call discipleship, a word that we've erased from the faith over the last couple of decades in favor of experience at the gathering, we've erased discipleship, which is the daily, weekly journey of diving into the word of God, seeing pictures of our father going by and saying, that's what I'm headed to. That's what I want to be like. That's my potential. That's where I'm headed. It's like coming today into the giving moment, which we do every single gathering because giving is the gift of God to the church. God doesn't need your money. Are you kidding me? He gave you your money. You talk about needing an awakening. Well, I'm not giving God my money. He gave you your money. And he doesn't need a dime of it. You think they don't have the lights on in heaven today because you've never given in the giving? You think the choir got smaller today because you haven't given? You think people aren't getting saved in our church today because you haven't given? You think we're not preaching and proclaiming and lighting up our city on a hill because you didn't give? The only person losing by you not giving is you. You're like, I don't like it when you talk about money. I know because the enemy has sold you a lie. And you're losing out on eternity. If you go to heaven, you're going to be the saddest person there. You're like, oh no, I'm gonna be free. I'm gonna be healed. I'm gonna be whole. I'm gonna be walking streets of gold. And you're gonna be so sad that you've got nothing invested in eternity. Because you were certain that you weren't giving God your money. And you're gonna be face to face with the one who gave his life for you. So we do giving moment in every gathering, not so that we can get more money, although we do need gospel patrons in our church. 
but so that you can get in on the richness of the blessing of God over your finances and over your life. And every week, someone comes and tells a story, opens a word of God, models giving. These are legends in our house and people who are ahead of us in the journey of generosity. And I wonder if anybody ever sits in that moment and says, I feel like God just went by. And I'm down here with pink streamers going, whoo, look at me. I gave $5. But I'm going to be that because that's my dad. That's my heavenly father. That's where I'm going. I'm going to generosity. That's me. I will become an extravagantly generous worshiper of my father. And I might not get there tomorrow. I might give $11.09 or $25 or what God leads me to give. I may not be moving and shaking like Phoebe was powering the apostle Paul on through all of his journeys, but I will ultimately be a player in the kingdom cause of God, because I want to be discipled. I want to get strong. I want to grow up. I want to get some teeth and I want to chew the word of God. I don't want to be on the bottle all my life. I want to be able to take the meat of the word of God. I've got potential. I've got new genes. I have a new spirit and I have a new calling. It is son, daughter, grow up in the faith, grow up in strength, grow up and mature and be like, act like, think like, give like, walk like your father. This, this is you. And anything less is a lie. If you're in Christ. <laughs> if you're not in Christ, doesn't matter. Because spiritually, you're dead. But thank God Jesus in grace and mercy has come to us to make us alive with the gift of his life. Born all over again. Amen. Didn't join something. Didn't sign something. Didn't transfer my letter from something to something. No, born again. Old no longer in the driver's seat. As long as I become a disciple and renew my mind day by day by day by day to who I am and whose I am and what I can be and what I can do and what he does, I will do. What I see him do, I will do. And I will repeat this again and again and again as I grow up to be like him. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church podcast.